how are we doing this weekend, Faith Promise? Oh, come on, come on. I know we're sad, okay? I know we're sad, bro. Are we doing okay this morning, Faith Promise? Come on. It's okay. It's always so shocking to me after a heartbreaking loss that I wake up and the world is still there. It's crazy, okay? But we're okay. Okay, this is, yeah, okay, I'm a sore loser. Let's just be honest, okay? I'm so glad my wife hasn't ever, like, recorded me throwing a temper tantrum uh, as, as UT plays, you know, especially the first three quarters or lack thereof playing, whatever. We're not here to talk about that, all right? But if you're a sore loser, is anybody at any of our campuses a sore loser? Let's just be honest, okay? Okay, anybody not raise your hand, you're a sore loser and a liar. Okay, but, but here's the deal. This is why we come to church, baby. Jesus hasn't lost, never going to lose, so we can come here and get excited. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That song, the song we just sang, Ain't It Fun, uh, Paramore uh, wrote it, and I believe it's just, I, I believe it's just all irony. Uh, ain't it fun being on your own? Don't go crying to your mama now that you're in the wor real world. Um, it, it, it's funny, I believe that that's how the world would like us to think we're supposed to do this life. That we're supposed to do this thing alone. That we're supposed to walk, we're supposed to be able to carry the weight of our marriages, of our kids, of losing loved ones, of our jobs, of the stress. We're supposed to be a care of all our own and be okay. But that's not how God designed us. God designed us to walk together. God designed us to walk in community. God designed us to walk in his house. Now, at Faith Promise, uh, we, we are very intentional about not being, have our heads stuck in the sand of what God's doing right here, even though God's doing incredible things. Every time there's something happening in the world, we put our head up and we pray. When the travesties happened in Louisiana, we, our senior pastor, Pastor Chris, stopped and we prayed. Uh, the, the racial tension, all this stuff, we stopped and we prayed. And right now is no different. With, with, uh, with Hurricane Matthew, we actually had a mission trip. Uh, my assistant, Tanya Bro, and her husband were supposed to lead it. They were supposed to leave on Friday, but uh, the, the place in Haiti that we usually go, the death toll is now up to a little over 1,000, um, and they, they believe when, um, when communication comes back that it will be exponentially worse. Uh, we actually just got uh, communication back with the orphanages that we support there. It, it, it is, we, we cannot lose sight that we do this thing together. It doesn't matter if the person beside you is the same color as you, they smell the same as you. It doesn't matter if they believe in the same God you believe in. But our God says that we grab out, we grab that person, and we do life together. So before we get rolling today, can we stop, can we pray for all the victims of Hurricane Matthew, that God would be sovereign in there, that God would let a light shine in every situation. God, right now we come before you, we give this day to you. We give our worship to you, we give this message to you. And God, we pray that you would work in just a, a, a mighty way. God, whenever there's heartbreak, there's only one thing, only one place we can turn to, and that's to you. The, the, the only safe place, whenever the world doesn't make any sense, whenever we experience impossible heartbreak, like what people are experiencing in Hurricane Matthew, there's only one place we can go to find solstice and go to find a refuge, and that's in you, God, in your house and under your wings. So, God, please find us there now. But God, we pray that the people in Haiti and the people in Florida and the people on the coast, God, that they, would, that they would see a light, God, through your people. That they would know that you're sovereign. God, we're so sorry for the people who've lost their loved ones already. And God, that we, we pray that we would know, we would rely on the fact that we have eternity in heaven with you if we will surrender our life to you. God, we love you so much. We give this day to you. We give this week into you. We give our lives to you. You have our full attention today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, amen. Let's give God a hand. Let's give God a hand. God is good. God is good. So, 
we've had an incredible series so far in, in, in Dropout. The first week, Pastor Chris, which just let me stop for a second. I know we've already discussed it, that October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And you've probably heard a lot about it because Pastor Chris is, is a very, he's not a selfish person. He never mentions it. Uh, we, we, at Faith Promise, if you've been coming, we really never talk about it. But if you're close to a pastor or if you have their, anyway, whether it's social media or whatever, reach out and love on them. I know Pastor Chris loves steaks. I know our campus pastors, they're all vegans. They would love some kale, okay, maybe some tofu. I know Pastor, Pastor Mike Baker would love tofu. He loves tofu, okay. Um, but uh, this series has been incredible. The first week we talked about making the decision to be a disciple. Okay, you're, you're, you have to start the roots in you. God has to work in you. The second thing we talked about is that it needs to be rooted in your family, that you do not relegate your discipleship or your students or your kids' discipleship to the church, that we do it at home, that we do fight. We, we are a supplement, okay? You take that to supplement what you're already doing at home. And this week what we will talk about is planting our roots into God's house, is planting our roots into what God has for us in his house and the difference it can make in our life. And I am so excited about what God has for us today. I believe he is going to just revolutionize some lives today. I, I do not believe that we will leave the same as when we came in. But what we're going to talk about today is actually the inspiration for this whole series. Uh, the, the, the church world is kind of vibrating about the, the graduation rate. And what I mean by graduation rate is now about 75 to 85% of students, when they graduate high school, they'll graduate to church. And they'll go off into college, they'll go off in the workforce, and they'll pursue their pursuits. And they'll pursue what they feel like is most important to them. And we decided, hey, we believe, and I, I, our church is under the, under the impression, and we believe this to the very core of who we are, that the hope of the world is not politics. The hope of the world is, is not uh, a more uh, a job equality. It's not higher pay wages. The, we, what we believe the hope of the world is is the local church. Am I right? Do we believe that, Faith Promise, at all campuses? Come on. We believe that. We do. What that means is we have to fight this dropout rate. And that's what we're doing through this series. We are fighting this dropout rate. And, and what I'd like to do before I get going is I would like to apologize. At Faith Promise, we are very intentional about not letting pride get in the way. And I, I know that with this many people gathered, with over 7,000 people at all of our locations, that people have been burned by the church. Maybe it's you, maybe it's a loved one, but somebody in your life has been burned by the church. And Pastor Chris has taught us very uh, purposefully that, that it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to be right. Our staff is, we really care. Being right is not what matters. What matters is that people feel loved, that they want to be planted in this house. So can I start by saying I'm so sorry. If you've been burned by the church, if you've been done wrong, I'm so sorry. If, if it's a faith promise, if it's anywhere, hear me, I'm so sorry. The church, we gather here to, to celebrate, to exalt, and to go before a perfect God. But the people who unlock the doors, the people that sat you today, the person talking to you is a very, very, very imperfect person. And what I ask you to do is when you go to a church, whether it's Faith Promise or anywhere, that you wouldn't let the mess up of an imperfect person throw mud on the face of our perfect God. I want to apologize. And I want to ask you. Do not give up on the church. The church is where our revival will come from. The church is where people will find hope and love that they're looking for in every, everything else in their life. And as Pastor Chris always says, you know, church is, is really the only thing that when we have a bad experience, we decide we're never going back. Right? 
We don't do that with really anything else. If you go to a doctor and you don't have a good experience, maybe his hands were cold, you go back to the doctor. You may find a different one, but you go back. What about our kids, right? I have one. Have I thought about pitching her in the yard sometimes? Yes, okay, okay. But I'm going to have another one. I'm going to keep on practicing. I'm going to have another one. Because, that's right. Some of y'all got that. You're welcome. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to give up on it, right? I mean, and Pat's or Chris, if they had Faith, which is the oldest, and she's great, but then they had Micah, and boy, does he need Jesus, and they had Micah. If they would have stopped after Micah, guys, you'd be missing this, okay? Right? We don't stop just because we have a bad experience. Let's talk about something real serious, like food. Food. If you have a bad meal, you don't stop eating. I've seen you out. You don't stop eating. Sometimes if I have a bad meal, I go have another one right after just to make sure I still like it, right? You know, so, so we, we don't stop just because we have a bad experience. Same thing with church. You get hurt, you keep coming back. You do not come to church for Pastor Chris, for me, for anybody. You come to church to worship an almighty God who deserves to be worshipped no matter what. Am I right? Come on. Speaking of food, speaking of food, um, you know, I love going out to eat. I love going out to eat. Oh, there's no mess. Somebody else has cleaned it up. They refill my Diet Cola, which I know will be in heaven. God and I talked about it. Um, I love going out to eat. You know when going out to eat is special? is when you get an appetizers. You know what I'm saying? If you're the person paying for the meal, appetizers means it's a special situation. Okay? If you're out to eat and you hear me or an appetizer, it's Rachel's birthday. That's my wife. Okay? Either it's an anniversary, I'm trying to make up for something, or I have some coupons. Okay? <laughs> or I've got some gift cards. All right? That's when you know, out to eat, when you get an appetizer, it's special. I, I know that. So what I want to do, before we get into the meat of the passage uh, this weekend, I want to give you a little appetizer. I want to take you through a psalm, Psalms 92. I want to take you through it, and I want to highlight the importance of meeting together, the importance of God's house. Before we talk about taking our roots deep into God's house, I want to highlight the importance of God's house. All right, so this is King David, and, and this, this is what he says. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing his praises, uh, uh, sing praises to your name, O Most High. Listen, you, you may wonder, why do we worship? Why do we do that? You know, I don't like standing up. I don't like clapping. Ah, we do it because we believe our God is worth it. And we do it because we want to stop and take a second. And we worship and we praise. Hopefully all the stresses of the week will fade away. All the stresses of what's coming will fade away. And we can focus on him. It's, uh, it, this is timeless. Worshiping our God, we believe that he deserves it. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. That's what we do on Wednesday nights, baby. We get crazy. We are faithful. Um, with, the ten, uh, with the ten string lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad in what you have done. I will sing at the joy of the works of your hand. How great, is, how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. This is another reason we come together. If, if you've become the church, if, if you have experienced the truth of God, it's deep and it's hard sometimes. To love and respect people more than yourself, that's deep, that's hard. We come together so, so that we can be taught about it, so we can look at it practically, but also so that you can look at the person beside you and know they're trying it too, they're fighting for it too. That's why we go to small groups, so we can look at other men and women and say, we're going to make this marriage work. We're going to keep our witness, and that's deep thoughts. That's one of the reasons we come together in God's house. A senseless man. You know what never puts women there? A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man. Come on, at least so rotate him. Understands this. That when, uh, that when the wicked spread up like grass. Now this is huge. 
grass, whenever it, when it describes, when it describes um, a wicked person, it'll, it'll talk about them as grass. It's because their roots are very shallow. You can see, you can, you can plant grass just in a day. You can sod a whole yard in a day. Its roots are very shallow. It can be pulled up really easily. A wicked man is like grass. All, uh, all, who do, all who did iniquities flourish, but it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies will perish. All, uh, all who do iniquity will be scattered. But you, who have, but you who have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, I have been anointed with fresh oil. And my eyes look exultantly, exultantly, I had to sound that one, exultantly on my foes. My ears hear of evildoers who arise up against me. The righteous man, here we go, the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. When it talks about wicked people, it talks about like grass being uprooted easily. When it talks about the righteous, when it talks about people seeking after God, people who are willing to stand the test of the terror of our world, it describes them as a tree, a mighty tree that stands firm, planted in the house of the Lord. And if we're honest, we will tell you, we, we, we have seen that living in this world, trying to live for God in this world is hard. It's full of terror, always pushing against you. And if you try to live for God, you have, you have asked the question, how am I supposed to stand firm in a world like this? How am I supposed to stand strong when it's so hard? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? Well, we believe it's by being planted in God's house. But, but, but let me give you something to look at. Let me show you this tree. And this tree may not look special to you. But this tree is called the survivor tree. And the reason it's called the survivor tree is it's the only plant life that survived the 9-11 attack. It was, it was on the premise, and as the buildings exploded, as they fell, as all the debris and all the dust and all the soot settled, there was only one tree that survived. Now granted, all of its limbs were gone and all of its foliage were gone, but its root and its trunk stood because it had strong roots. How we can stand the terror of our world is by being planted in God's house. That's, that's how we can do it, amen? Amen, and we can. We can do it, there's no question. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to look in Daniel chapter three. Now I'm gonna tell you most of the passage today, but I wanna encourage you. Last week we talked about being uh, the discipleship, the roots growing deep at your home. I want to encourage you, read Daniel 3 as a family this week. Read a couple times. It is such an exciting, it's such a hype passage of Scripture. And if you don't look at Scripture as being excited, read Daniel chapter 3. It is incredible. If you've got, it's one of those things when I have something in front of me I don't think I can do, I read Daniel chapter 3. And, and I, I, I'm not going to give away too much, but I'm just so excited. Next year, um, Pastor Chris and our exec team, they are always, they work their tails off. And they, they've already started playing the theme for next year. The pastor's already written his book for next year for the congregation. It is going to be a game changer. It's going to sprout out of Daniel chapter 3. There is so much life change in this passage. But there's three young men in this passage, three teenagers. And you may have heard of them if you've been coming to church. If not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you the story. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we find them in Daniel chapter 3. But before I, before I talk to you about them, what I'd like to do is I'd like to tell you, I'd like to tell you about the climate of their situation. I'd like to tell you about the culture that they lived in. These guys were Israelites, okay. These guys served God. But they had been taken from Israel to Babylon. Uh, ba ba the, Babylon, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, had went to Israel and taken, he besieged it. He took slaves and brought them, okay, brought them to uh, Babylon. 
Now, this guy is a nut job, okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you're going to start pointing fingers, but I think we all know somebody who loves himself, okay? Okay? I'm not going to say anybody in my family, Micah, <clears throat> but um, I don't think he ever passed a mirror that he didn't just... There was a time, if you know Micah now, he's in great shape. He does CrossFit. He looks incredible. But, but there was a time where Micah was like 80 pounds overweight. And still, when he passed a mirror, just every time, it was incredible. It was like Zoolander. It was awesome. But So we all know somebody who loves himself. Stop nudging each other. I see you. Okay. This guy loved himself. Let me tell you to the extent that King Nebuchadnezzar loved himself. He built a 90-foot tall statue of himself. The first selfie ever was by a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? That, 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 this is the situation. And just to give you some perspective, the top of the sun sphere, just the, just the circle part, not, not what it sits on, just that top part, that's, that's 75 feet in diameter. This guy built a 90-foot tall statue of himself, okay? This guy loved himself some him, okay? He loved him some King Neb, all right? So he loved himself, but he took it a step farther. And he said, all right, here's the deal. When you hear the music, you will bow down to the statue of me. When you hear the music in the whole kingdom, you will bow down to me. And there was an inaugural service where they brought in everybody, all, all of the rulers and all the places that they had, that they had taken captive over because Babylon was, was the power of the time. They took them and they had everybody together. And then he said, play the music. And everybody started bowing. Everybody started falling except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because here's the deal, when we see people planting God's house, we see some different fruit in their life. We see some differences. And just like the survivor tree was able to resist annihilation by the terror of this world, we will be able to resist bending to the enemy if we will do have our, have our roots planted deeply in the house of God. I want to show you some things that these guys resisted in such a hard time. The first thing we see them resist is they resisted culture. They resisted culture. The culture of the time was whenever you heard this music, everybody was going to bow down. And I didn't tell you this part. If you didn't bow down, he said, I will throw you in a furnace. I'm going to cook you like a weenie if you do not bow down. Yet, whenever everybody in the whole courtyard, the whole, just, just miles and miles of people, when everybody else bowed down, there were three guys in the middle. They didn't hide. They could have hid. They didn't hide. They were right in the middle, standing strong because they resisted culture. I love that our church does this. Our church resists culture. In a time where we're more racially divided than ever in our nation, Faith Promise every week gets more racially diverse. Because God didn't die for skin, right? He died for a heart. I love it. On, on Wednesday nights at Students of our Camps, on Sundays, we are getting more diverse everywhere. Because it's just so crazy that we would separate people by the color of their skin. And we're not going to bend to that culture. That's not who we're going to be. Because we, we do not see that when people are playing the house of God, they do not bend the culture. They, they do not do Can you imagine with the, the voice that Pastor Chris has, how many calls he gets to pick a political party? But he knows that our, that our Savior, what will save this nation, what will save our world, will not sit in a white house, but he will come on a white horse. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that'll, be, that'll be how it works. And here's what I want you to know. You can do it too. We can do it too. We can stand. We can resist culture. I love this. I love this so much. All they did was stand. They didn't stand to give a dissertation. They didn't stand and memorize half the Bible. All they did was stand. I believe if we will stand 
in any situation God calls to, if we will stand, if we will stand, if we will stand, tell somebody we love them, invite them to church, tell somebody that Jesus loves them. I believe if we keep standing, we'll find ourselves in the middle of a miracle, right smack dab in the middle of it, if we will resist culture. The next thing we see these guys do is they resisted pressure. They resisted pressure. King Nebuchadnezzar, whenever they wouldn't bow, he wouldn't got them brought them to his place, brought them to his, right in front of the furnace and say, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow. I'm going to give you one more chance, and if you do not bow, I'm going to throw you in there. He, he pointed his finger at them and said, if you do not bow, if you do not do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to kill you. There was so much pressure. Imagine that pressure. These guys had things to live for. But they stood. Again, they didn't give the king a big theological answer. They stood, because where their roots were, were in God's house. I love that our church does this, like on, on, on so many issues. But for one example, like homosexuality, we get a lot of pressure from the outside. A lot of churches that hold, hold pickets to say, turn or burn, right? These, this certain group of people are going to hell. But our pastor, our church, we are very quick to remember that the same blood that covers any sort of sin also covers our sin. That anybody who's separated is brought straight to God's throne if they will just surrender to God. It, it, it doesn't matter. We can't parcel out sins and put, put them on a hierarchy because one makes us more uncomfortable than another. I love that our church does not bow to outside pressure. I also love this. This one's not going to be as, there won't be as much cheers for this one. I love that our church does not bow to internal pressure. Our, our exec team, our management team, we, 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 we get before God. I'll tell you that right now. We give before God. We ask God, God, what do you want of faith promise? We're, we're, not, we're not just following blindly, Pastor Chris. We are asking God, what do you want? What do you want? And God, and, and God is very clear. He wants more of us to invite more of our friends to tell them about Jesus and to see them grow, to let them see freedom, the same freedom that you've experienced. He wants your friends, your family member, your workplace, your school. He wants them to experience it. So what does that mean? That means more campuses. That means more God behind bars locations. That means more mission trips. That means more, more sites. That means all this stuff. And that takes money. And when we talk about that, I know we cringe because we all have dreams and things we want to do. And unfortunately, that a lot of them take money. But I love the fact that our pastor stands up here. Some of you guys spit at him. I saw some birds in the back. Not really, I didn't. But I love that we do not bow at faith promise. We don't bow to the outside. We do not bow to the inside. The only place we will bow is to King Jesus, and that we won't bow to pressure. Does that make sense? I love that about our church. I love it. I love it. You can do it too. We can stand too. We can stand in the culture. We can stand in the pressure. The last thing they did, and this is where revival hits, guys. Resist selfishness. Resist selfishness. These guys, when the king pointed his finger at them and said, if you don't bow, I'm going to kill you. If you don't bow, today's your last day. And they, they said one of the most powerful things in all of Scripture. They said, listen, you can forget about us bowing. That, that, that's never going to happen. That's not even a thought. But let me tell you, let me tell you what is going to happen. You're going to throw us in that furnace. And our God is more than able to save us. He's more than able to keep us safe no matter what you do to us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to serve him. Even if he doesn't, it doesn't change how great 
our God is. Listen, when you think, hey, what, what's going to spark this revival? What's going to spark a change in my friends and my family, in your own heart? What is it? I believe that true, survive, true revival comes when we surrender our agenda. When we surrender what, what we want. Now, faith promise does this. If I can tell you, as, as I've grown up at Faith Promise Church, can I tell you that one service is easier? Can I tell you just coming one time, singing the worship set one time, preaching one time, and then going home is so much easier? But there's not one Faith Promise campus that does one service because at every Faith Promise location, there's people bringing people and people who need this Jesus that we're talking about. So we will always surrender our agenda to what God has so that we can see that revival. We will not bow down to selfishness. Amen? Here's what's beautiful, and we're going to explore it just a little more here in a second. But I love the fact whenever you look, these guys actually flipped the whole script. When they did not, whenever they would not bow down to the culture, the pressure, or to selfishness, do you know that whenever King Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire and they were unhurt, it actually says that something looked like the Son of Man, what's called, what's called a Christophany most likely, was in the fire with them. It's so often, if we would open our eyes, we would see Jesus in the fire with us every day. But Jesus in the fire, they come back out. And you know, King Nebuchadnezzar is so amazed that he actually changes the whole law. He actually says, you know what, I blew it, I'm sorry. No longer do you bow down to the gold image of me, but now if you speak one ill word of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you will be thrown in the furnace. These guys, whenever they stood, remember, all they did was stand. They, they, they said a few words, but all they did was stand and they were faithful. God, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're honest, if you look, what else is worth standing for? When people get pushed on, they cave, but we stand for something that's worth standing for, something resisting the pressure. These guys flipped the whole script. And you may wonder, Zach, you, you told me about Daniel chapter 3 and I even, maybe even you've read Daniel chapter 3. But Zach, but nowhere in the Bible do they go to church service. They're teenagers. Nowhere in the Bible does it say then they attended FU students and then they did this. Nowhere in there. They would have if they were here. But nowhere in there does it say it. You're right. Let me take you back to the beginning. Because these guys, what we've talked about, them resisting culture, them resisting pressure, them resisting selfishness, all that is is the fruit of the tree that they are. What I want to do is I want to take you back and look at where their roots are. I want to take you back and look at the tree of the, of the fruit that we are seeing. If I take you back to Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, that's the crazy one, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He took them from God's house. He took them to Babylon. Can you go back to the last slide for me? Let me, let me show you this. Because this used to give me a really hard time. I, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of studying the Bible for a long time. And this used to give me fits. The Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand. And I just, I, that does not sit well with me. Yeah, that seems like you're kind of, I'm big on loyalty. That does not seem very loyal that you're, you're, you're putting them into his hand. God really ministered to me on this. God said, listen, Zach. I can have a bunch of trees in my garden. I love them. I put them in small groups. I grow them up, and they are strong. But what good is it if it's this forest that is flourishing in this desert of every death all around it? What good is it if we are just an oasis of life, and God never takes us up, even if it hurts, takes us up, uproots us, and plants us somewhere else? Maybe you're like, oh, my workplace is so godless. 
in my school, no one could ever see God move here. Or my home is so tiring here. God planted you there for a reason. God planted you there because he knows your roots. If they're planted here in God's house, then you will be strong enough to stand there. You will be strong enough because, hey, I love you guys. And I would love to just sit here with you and sing kumbaya and jump around and sing alive. But what does it matter if it's just us? God has taken us and he's put us places so that these seeds, the seeds that fall off your tree of resisting culture, resisting pressure, and resisting selfishness, these fruits that fall off your tree, when they fall off at your workplace, when they fall off at your school, and they hit somebody and they start to, we're going to see saplings everywhere. We're going to take them, we're going to bring them to God's house, let them plant roots, and that's when we will see revival. King Nebuchadnezzar, if he could go back, I bet you money he'd have left them there. I bet you money if King Nebuchadnezzar could go back, he would not take these guys. Because they came and changed the whole law through their roots being planted in God's house. Now, I, I've had another wrestling point. I'm very honest. I've had another wrestling point with God. And, and that's the fact that these guys were able to stand when it seemed like I have such a hard time standing. These guys were able to stand in the face of death. And it seems like I have a hard time, I have a hard time not getting angry or not being greedy or, or just stopping and helping someone on the side of the road because I don't want to be late or I don't want to look bad or I care about what, what I want more than what the people around me need. Why, God, why do I have such a hard time standing? Maybe it's just me, but I want to know, God, why can these guys feeling the heat off that furnace still say, no, that's not us. We're... We're not going to bow. We're going to resist. We're going to stand. No matter what these hurricane winds push against us, we will stand. I, I've just, oh, I've wrestled with this. God, are these guys more saved than me? God, do these guys love you more than I do? I, I would, I, I'm telling you, I, would, I take that so personally, the thought that somebody may love God more than me. God, why can they stand? And I really believe, because I, 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 honestly, I did not want to stand on this stage, I did not want to speak to all five campuses if I didn't have the answer to that question. And I really believe that God gave it to me. I found it in Daniel chapter 1, a little bit after uh, King, of, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar took them in, in Daniel 1, verses 6 and 7. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These guys, you don't recognize them right now, but you will in a minute. Then the commander of the officials assigned them new names. To Daniel, he assigned, uh, he assigned the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, uh, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. The first thing he did when they got there, he changed their name. Take me back to the last slide. The first thing the king did when he got there, the first thing he had them do is he had them change their name. Because if he changed their name, they'd forget who they were. If they forgot who they were, they'd forget who God was. What the enemy wants us to do when we leave all five camps is he wants us to forget who we are. Because if we forget who we are, then we'll forget who God is. The reason we come to church, the reason we are planted firmly in God's house, firmly in small groups, is so we don't forget who we are. Sons and daughters of the king, bought with a price, fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who we are. That's who we will remain to be. Because our God is sovereign. Our God never quits. Our God never changes. The, the enemy wants us to forget who we are, wants us to forget who God is, but we won't because we're planning the house. You know what else I love about the house? 
I believe when you're playing the house, you remember who you are, you remember who God is, and then you remember you can take back what the enemy steals from you. You can take back what the enemy steals from you. I want to make this extremely real to you. I'd like to read you a letter I got from one of our students. A few weeks ago, I spent some very special time with, with some of the young women of FP students. And we did some prayer time and, and, and we did some healing. And I just want to read you a letter I got from one of our young women. I used JL, my daughter, in the message. And this is what I got afterwards. Your baby girl is so good, loving and pretty. She's going to grow up loving you and her mom. She looks like she would be the sweetest little good girl. All people love two-year-olds, but this one isn't a regular two-year-old. She is so special to have a dad. Some people don't even have. I know how it feels to not have a dad. Because, well, I don't have one. Every day I sit in my room and I cry. And I pray every day that my mom will find me one. But every day that goes by, I know I'll always have a dad. And that's God. When we come to church, we remind ourselves who we are. We remind ourselves who God is. And then we remind the devil that he can't take anything from us. If he steals even the gifts that God gave us, those gifts came from God and he can give those back and he can give us new ones. But church, the enemy wants to steal our identity. And what we have to do today is we have to ask God to give us the faith to uproot the identities that we planted. It may be in a person. It may be in a job. And you may be here, you may say, but I love this person. This person is a Christian. I get that. You can be planted in, in, in your husband or wife you can, but your main roots have to be in the house of God. All these things in this world, relationships, jobs, all these things can go away at any time. They can be stolen. But we come to church to remember who we are, who God is, and to take back what the enemy takes from us. That's why we come. But first we have to remember who we are and who God is. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing a song called Give Me Faith. And I pray that today we would ask God to give us faith to remember who we are, that you are planted in God's house. You belong in God's house. Actually, if we could, this last moment ago, will you bow your head, close your eyes, just listen to my voice. Don't be distracted. Just listen to me. What is it that you put your identity in? What is it that you've placed your worth in? What is it that you're, maybe you don't have it yet, maybe you're chasing after it. What is it that you're finding your solstice in? Where's your identity at? God, I pray that right now as we think of all the places that we're putting our identity, maybe it's success, maybe it's affirmation, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's money. I don't know what it is, but God, as, as we start to think where we put our identity, I pray that you would help us uproot those things. God, so that we can stand firm, so we can be planted in your house, so that we can resist the culture, resist the pressure, resist selfishness. God, please plant us deep. But first we have to uproot these roots, maybe, maybe we're holding on to some unforgiveness or maybe we're holding on to some control. But God, I pray that you would uproot those so that we can push down the roots of being planted in your house, remembering who we are, remembering who you are, and remember the enemy has no power over us. 
that we can stand up, that we can stand in the gap for our friends and our family. God, we surrender these things to you. We surrender our life to you. God, in this worship moment, you have our absolute full attention. Move on us, God, I beg you. Give us faith.